This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Report. Today is Thursday, July 2nd. We are in the month of July. We all made it somehow. Hopefully you are all doing well. We are happy to have you in. This is a podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network presented by betonline.ag. Still running that promo code Blue Wire. Still giving you that welcome bonus if you take advantage of it. It's right there in front of you. Sports are probably going to kick back up here soon. You want to have some money, get a little extra money in there when you're gambling. If that's your thing, UFC, NASCAR, golf. Already rolling, the NBA, baseball about to kick up too. Make sure you go to betonline.ag, get that welcome bonus, take advantage of betting on futures and props and things of that nature. It's all there. We trust betonline.ag. You should too. Again, use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. We're going to shift over now to our guest, typical Thursday guest, our man, Bleacher Report, OBR, Brent Sobleski. How are you, my man? I'm doing well. I just... Enjoyed watching the night one of Fighter Fest with my son, my ten-year-old son. We're into pro wrestling, so we enjoyed the free what would be the quote-unquote pay-per-view event, and just something we do every week. So, for those who don't realize it, every week I'm coming on the show after a high of watching pro wrestling because I am that dork. Hey, listen, I used to love pro wrestling, and if my son gets into it when he's a little older, I'm gonna be doing the same thing. I'm gonna do whatever he wants. And, um, you know, let's go. I'm just glad that that's... Are there any fans in the stands during this? Probably not. No, in this case, what they're doing with the, each of the two major organizations in, in the United States, the WWE and, and AEW, is that they're having personnel and wrestlers in the, in the crowd to make noise, essentially. Because a lot of people don't realize how essential just having that background noise and actually to kind of go on a tangent here for a second is yeah. it's not just it's not just like professional wrestling because that's one of the few things we've had throughout quarantine that's live quote-unquote sports if, if that's your cup of tea like it is mine but at the same time i was watching some film of, of of players earlier in the week just some old stuff that i had and i'm like what is that noise and you hear the <sighs> And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it sounds like with fans. I forgot. <laughs> it's gonna be weird. I, I don't. I, I think it'll impact some players who ride on, you know, crowd momentum and things like that. I, the NBA will be extremely fascinating, and that, and I've talked to people that. And it, let's get into our topic because the first topic is dealing with this. And the NBA, or sorry, the NFL rolled back not only the supplemental draft, uh, they rolled back two preseason games, right? So like, 
things are getting pretty serious with the NFL. They're, they're really understanding that their backs are against the wall. And I have kept saying, Sobo, that it, it all rides on how baseball and basketball go. Because if those two sports start up and run without cancellations or anything, then the NFL will probably happen. But if baseball starts and stops or the NBA, who's going into the heart of Florida with, you know, rising skyrocketing numbers if the NBA has to quit at some point because they try it and it fails then I don't think we'll have football so I mean I'm kind of curious just like with these cancellations today and then the, the numbers that keep going up man like where do you sit in all of this happening in, in in a month you know I guess it's it's happening this month right yeah absolutely and you know what first of all I'm still amazed about how terrible of a audience sound effect I just made so apologies <laughs> for anyone listening uh when you look at where these leagues stand look the nba is really struggling and they try to isolate themselves by going down to florida and working out of you know essentially uh the espn and disney lots um and uh, what was it the denver nuggets just yesterday or two days ago had to shut down again because there was another outbreak um the nhl saying they're basically only going to play in canada (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is what it comes down to and it's it's you can't pr- completely prevent outbreak it's not going to happen and i i like the first steps the nfl has taken so far they're trying to put everyone on the same page getting them all in training camp at the same time putting them under the same parameters um scaling back the preseason while still keeping some of it so mm-hmm. that there's a little bit of a warm-up because look it's not this isn't college football you can't schedule Northwestern State week one uh, to get ready for your actual real opponents as the season uh, goes through. So what I'm uh, what I'm what I've always at least been told and have expected from an NFL point of view is these owners will have a season come hell or high water. What that entails will be dictated by individual states and what type of outbreaks we see because they're going to be inevitable whether it's a truncated regular season 12 10 games maybe um or maybe we'll see it not end depending on how things go i expect something of that to happen along the lines and i know there's contingencies in plan for the nfl and all of its teams to uh to really try to soldier on through all of this when even though there should be some expectation of things to happen. Look, I'm not going to be here and, and take a fatalistic point of view and say we're not going to have an NFL season. Uh, look, I'm not uh, an infectious disease expert, and I can't speak in, intelligently about most things, but it comes down to especially these things. And I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night to, to say that I'm, I know things like a doctor, but when it comes down to it, these owners are trying everything in their power to set the, the league up for success so they can have a season. And hopefully by August and into early September, we'll have a better grasp of what's going on and what we'll have as for a regular season. Because there's still things that can occur that the NFL can do, like, for example, taking away the last two weeks of preseason just to be – as present as possible in the moment and adhering to state laws and for each individual franchise and where they reside. So there's a lot that could still happen, but the, like I said, the NFL is going to put themselves in a position to play a season one way or the other. Yeah, they're pushing forward, there's no doubt. I mean, they're they're really trying to get this done, and, and I just keep going back to these other two sports and how they're going to operate in the country, and, and, and if they go well, and I'll feel well. And, and until that point... 
I just continue to shrug my shoulders like you do. Like we don't know. I, I don't know where this goes in a month. No, nobody knows where this goes month to month. It's every month there have been some months where it felt like we were turning the corner in the right direction, maybe late May, and then all of a sudden we're right back what feels like square one. And and it's just going to have to see what baseball and, and, and basketball are able to do if, in terms of any sort of positive feel about this thing. Because if both leagues have to shut down or, or things become really, really strange with – teams and players shutting down, I just don't see how the NFL can keep their head down and keep charging. I just don't see how they'll be able to do that. And the same with college football. So um, I, I would, there are stages in which I was confident, and there are stages in which I'm not confident, and I'm definitely in the not confident stage right now. We're going we're gonna to switch topics real quick, and it's something that came up in our on the OBRs Ask the Insider Forum, which is a great place to go if you guys want to ask questions uh, to any of us who write on the Browns here and, and have some sort of air quote expert um, expert opinion if you want to have some questions answered there was a great question actually that was posed about an article on dog pound daily about are the browns not really developing offensive linemen and is that a byproduct of continually shuffling coaches and now there are a lot of things that are a problem with continually shuffling coaches it's you know there are guys that get lost in the in the shuffle and jordan poyer like guys who get flushed out by different regimes and end up landing somewhere and playing really well there are a lot of examples of that uh, but this this uh, specific question is asking if the Browns, instead, like a counter opinion here, if the Browns have actually drafted a, a decent offensive lineman, but they just haven't developed them. Have they not have not given them a chance to develop? And they cited Super Bowl winners. So if you look at since 2014, so well, I know your offensive lineman guru this is your thing, man. There's some names here, right? Like Joel Batonio gets drafted 2014. That's a slam dunk. Uh, 2015, you get. Um, uh, you get Cam Irving is the is the lone offensive lineman selected in that one. Sixteen, you get Sean Coleman in the third round, and you get Spencer Drango in the fifth round. Seventeen, you get Roderick Johnson taken uh, late fifth round, and eighteen, you get Austin Corbett in the second round, and then you get Drew Forbes last year, and then we'll see how Nick Harris and Jedrick Wills do this year. But like those names, like when you think of these guys that they have drafted. I have an answer here, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious what yours is. Do you think that this is a byproduct, some of these guys' failure? And, you know, Cam Irving goes to the Chiefs, and obviously Mitchell Schwartz was taken before 2014, but, you know, he, he ends up leaving and going and doing well. It's like there are these guys, like, well, they have these Super Bowl rings. Like, do you think the Browns aren't developing some of these guys, and, and, and that's like a byproduct of all the switching coaches, or do you think they're just not very talented at the end of the day? I think in the end, in the end, what it really amounts to is poor drafting and evaluation skills. And this is something that's plagued the organization through multiple regimes. Uh, you, there's no one specific that we can point to to say, "Hey, you have no idea what you're looking for." Because quite frankly, they've had poor draft class after poor draft class after poor draft class. Really, the only one, the only name that you mentioned, Jake, that resonates as a failure for the Cleveland Browns is their inability to re-sign Mitchell Schwartz, who's gone on to become not just only the best right tackle in the NFL, but arguably the best tackle period in the NFL. And that had to do more with egos than, than necessarily lack of development or not seeing his potential long-term. Of those mentioned, look, you look at a Sean Coleman, he's a backup in San Francisco. You can name the four guys, or excuse me, the three guys other than Mitchell Schwartz, who were in Kansas City, Cam Irving didn't start last year during their Super Bowl run. He had a couple games where he had to fill in for Eric Fisher at left tackle. He was terrible. Andrew Wiley, he's a backup. You have Austin Ryder. Yes, he started, but when he got his opportunity in Cleveland, he got injured. So, I mean, that was just 
happenstance. And so when you look at these names, it's not necessarily that they weren't able to develop them. They just didn't have the talent to really make an impact. And they haven't made an impact really anywhere else in the NFL. And so to me, it's not about the rotation of coaches. Obviously, it doesn't help. But if you don't have the talent, you're not going to be able to capitalize. And so we look at last year, you have a quality offensive line coach in James Campen, and then you give him absolute dog shit at offensive tackle. What are you supposed to do when you're at that position? You knew Greg Robinson was a retread. You knew he had problems. You knew Chris Hubbard lacked playing strength and had trouble anchoring. Then you put him in a vertical-based offense where you ask him to – drop or to protect seven step drops with no help. I mean, this is that that's just poor. That's poor mismanagement of the position. Not necessarily that you didn't have the talent there because there are certain situations, whether you go all the way back to Joe Thomas, you go with Joel Batonio, guys who were legitimately talented, and had ability, have, and have played well for the Browns. And that's Alex Mack and that's Mitchell Schwartz. That was uh, acquiring John Greco. I mean, look how good that offensive line was under Kyle Shanahan. And yet, you know, we're talking, what, seven, eight years later, and it just fell apart at points because it wasn't addressed properly. They didn't evaluate properly, and then they did not have the ability to fix those problems because there's no depth up front. And that's really the question mark, identification and evaluation. And if you can find those guys and put them with someone like Bill Callahan – then you have a legitimate opportunity to not only make a quality starting five, but to actually build depth, which is what's really key in today's NFL. Great answer. I have nothing further to add to that because that was spot on, man. Like, um, <laughs> you, you, there, there's a mixture of the two. You have to have some talent. Some cohesion is great. And if you can keep a scheme and, and style together for a while, you can target key traits that you want in some of your linemen instead of shuffling in different schemes. And um, that was just really well done. And, and uh, I think that – it'll only help if Cleveland can continue to draft with the same people and continue to coach with the same people. There's no denying that. Um, but they also have to have a little bit of talent. That that part of it is is pretty imperative. So, so but before we split here, man, you put up your OBR draft report earlier this week. Um, give people a little quick sum of what's in there, what they can read. Well, a little bit of everything. You know, we're in the dog days of the not only the NFL but college football. So, you're just trying to keep up with the top stories <clears throat> while also starting on your evaluations. In this case, I try to delve a little bit into Kylan Hill, the top returning SEC rusher, and the impact he's having on and off the field in the state of Mississippi. You look at our topic last time we had discussed this with Alaric Jackson of Iowa and where he is as a prospect and an update on his health. Uh, one of the things I spoke to a source about the linebacker room and, and how – those within the room itself, virtually at least, feel about the potential setup come this year. And it's a little different than I think what people expect, or at least what's being said publicly. So please check that out. And finally, since we were talking about linebackers, I decided to pop on some tape of Michael Parsons from Penn State. Mm. A potential top 10 pick, very, very talented, but a little ways to go to become a natural instinctive linebacker since he converted from defensive end in high school. He's got my eye, guy who came really close to going to Ohio State, right? So uh, very good football player. I'll be interested to watch him if we get to. And uh, Sobo, thanks for joining me, man. This was great stuff, as always. Make sure you read his OBR draft report. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jake. Have a good one. All right, that's a wrap on today's episode. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you going to the OBR. Hopefully you're subscribing. Hopefully you're still finding some good content with us. We're trying our best. 
as we approach training camp. There's always a tough time of year, specifically a tough time of year in the current climate that we're in. But we appreciate all your support. Hopefully you have subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all that support and appreciate you leaving a review for us. Five stars, if you will. Maybe a little write-up. We always, we always like reading those. So thanks again for uh, listening, guys. And we will be back tomorrow with Stephen Thomas, Browns Daily Mock. Until then, go Browns.